Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Somebody Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're going to make it out of here, we got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. This is why you watch 7 News at 5. This breaking story is happening as we speak. To get breaking news from the alert desk. When I know about it, you'll know about it first. So you're always connected with what's happening now, only on 7 News at 5. In a ride shop in Flushing, Queens. Zilla boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. I watched The Nanny for so many years. I love The Nanny. I love Fran Drescher, as all you guys know. Hashtag Franissance2019. It's very difficult to keep up with, but my homage to her still stands. The, the topic of today's show is The Nanny. Welcome, and Holden. Jackie, you are living uh, in L.A. where they shot The Nanny, and yes. uh, you could potentially do what the costume designer did and every single day, just go walk down uh, the, what do they call, where, where's all the fashion Oh, shit? all the boulevards? Yeah, yes. on the boulevards, and, and go to all of the boutique shops and... You know, get the the Dolce's and the all yeah, that and all stuff. their gombaners and and man. then alter it and then put it together, find the most colorful stuff you can find, and then alter the shit out of it and make it, you know, nanny it up. And you know, why aren't you Before doing that? Before we even get into these things, do you know that the <laughs> only Emmy that they won was for costume design? Of course, I mean, of literally, course the outfits are insane. But the thing is, not to get, I know this is pre gush talk. Try when I started off this year being like, right, it's on 2019. This is going to be great. I'm going to wear animal print. I'm going to wear bold colors. I do not have her body. And it <laughs> is difficult to pull off the kind of thing she wore because I look like a fucking lumpy couch. <laughs> I look like an ugly, lumpy couch. And the fact that she could pull off those outfits and still right. just like rock the confidence, rocked everything that she did. Man, she's such an inspiration. Dude, I'm going to tell you what. I just ordered uh, an Insane Clown Posse shirt, and I have a few Taylor Swift shirts. And for me, it feels like, quote-unquote, brave to, like, leave the house in a You Should Calm Down shirt, T-shirt, and, like, own that. And it really makes it me It is think- hashtag brave. I'm proud of you. And thank you. And it really makes me think about how this is something that, I mean, especially the nanny named Fran, like, Bye. touted. It was like, I want to be, I want to walk out on, on the soundstage and, and as the character walks into the world as something that is both bold and also funny and, yes. and, and you know, fashionable while at the same time, like, making fun of her, herself. It was, it was, it's just this really, like, fashionably brave Look, and people are really swarming to it. And it's not just you, Jackie. I didn't realize this is a nationwide phenomenon. Yes. Well, th- th- did you see all the talks, too? Like, not to get right into, like, current news of, like, Cardi B also yes. 
that she's inspired by Fran Drescher. I have a whole section of that. I was shocked to find that there was a New Yorker article back in 2018 mm-hmm. uh, in October, so not that long ago, called they The Fashion. They were in talks that possibly that she would be yeah. in a reboot. The daughter. Was, yeah. So, yeah, the name of this article is The Fashion Comeback of Fran Drescher in The Nanny with Help from Cardi B. And that's not the only article I found. There was a HuffPo article about the fashion of, of the nanny that re- very recent. This is like a millennial thing. Like people are really starting to flock. There's a whole Instagram account. Well, we're, Cause we're going back to the nineties looks right now. Yeah. And that is a quintessential of just like, fuck it, put the patterns together, do yeah. what you want. And I yeah. like that. That is the essence of what's coming back from the nineties of like, Live your truth, bitch. Yeah, I was just about to say, because of the phrase that is so popular now, live your truth. And the nanny Fran lived her fucking truth. She did. And and it was all came out of um the uh the brain of Fran Drescher and her husband. And that is a fucking uh, story. And I say Talk about just, another thing of why I identify with her so oh hard. Oh my god. And she's from so Flushing, wild. and we're also from Flushing. Like yeah. she was she was my inspiration. I will also say, by the way, as a person who normally would not like gravitate towards a show uh that was in the, with this kind of plot line and characters i watched the fuck out of the nanny I everybody think, did i think it was for everyone yeah i was he- well also you maybe know, not honestly, everyone not to say that uh, most people across the board are like if you've seen episodes of the nanny you're like oh i mean i was into it and also yeah. have you watched it recently still holds, holds the up. fuck up and you you started singing at the beginning but i think it was a lot of it was because you know a show is only as good as its intro and the intro to the nanny is so memorable and you I just sing love- that song and almost everyone knows exactly what you're doing. Totally. It is It is totally just this iconic moment in like a time gone, long gone in television, these, these sorts of sitcoms. And I also just love watching like stuffy people get the piss taken out of them. You know what I mean? It's That's great. always fun. Cece's great. We'll talk about her. Honestly, uh- <laughs> all the characters are pretty great. Even the child actors are pretty great. The kids are great. The kids are great. So... The Nanny, if you weren't aware, The Nanny is a CBS American sitcom about Fran Fine, a Jewish fashion queen from Flushing, New York, who becomes the nanny of three children from the New York slash British high society. And it ran from 1993 to 1999 with 146 episodes. And if you don't know this already, you might, you probably do. If you are an actor or a writer or anyone on a television show that makes it past 100 episodes, your life is set. You are fucking rich for the rest of your life. You go into syndication off of 100 episodes, which means they can put your show anywhere on television, even outside of the network. They can And you get paid every single time. You get paid every time. It is just this giant t- uh, Hollywood TV landmark. Uh, is going over 100 episodes. That means you are set for life. So uh, let's and and it's a massive accomplishment. If it you is, keep, and especially when this show. I know that we were about to get into this. Was hers? Yes, all hers. And I mean, and her husband. But like that, their working relationship fucking is rad. But yeah, even the spark of inspiration came from her. So Fran Drescher, born in 1957 in Flushing, Queens, New York. Where and where were you born? We were also born. We were born in Woodhaven, which is like a subsect of Flushing. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, raised in Kew Gardens Hills, Queens. Uh, she had a mother named Sylvia, uh, who was a bridal consultant and oh, a Sylvia's father. Great. Right. And by the way, all of this, if you know the show. 
you're like, oh. <laughs> and a father named Morty yep. who was a naval systems analyst. She also had a great grandmother named Yetta that immigrated to the U.S. from Yetta's Romania. Great too. Yetta's too. Yetta's so fun. I forgot about Yetta. Also, as someone, besides the fact that we're from Queens, but also we are Italian it's an Italian family from Queens that we were raised in. So it's very similar to the Jewish Queens yes. upbringing to with like the way they view food, the way they view relationships, the way they view everything is very similar. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and she was a runner up for Miss New York teenager in 1973. She went to Hillcrest high school. You didn't go to Hillcrest. Did you? No. No, you didn't go to high school. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, you're already in Florida by that point. Uh, And that was in Jamaica, Queens, where she met her ex future, her, I'm sorry, her future ex husband, Peter Mark Jacobson. Uh, (laughs) High school sweethearts. Uh, Also in attendance at that high school, by the way, was Ray Romano, who would go on to star in Everybody Loves Raymond. And he would end up making a guest appearance at a 20th high school reunion episode on The Nanny. Do you remember that episode? It was like a later episode. Yes, I do. Uh, that's kind of amazing. What a weird, crazy coincidence. So Jacobson and Drescher both attend Queens College, City University of New York, but they dropped out their first year because all the acting classes were filled. She ends up getting, I can't believe there's already a crossover between our first and second episodes of pop history. She gets her first small acting role in a film called Saturday Night Fever in You're 1977. Right. Did you know that? I didn't even know I didn't that. know that. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> But also, this is at the same time, which I think is um, kind of fun, that Peter Mark Jacobson, that they also dropped out of college and, and then ended up going to cosmetology school. Oh, together. right, and that's the beauty school yes. thing, element. I didn't catch that bit, and I was like, I read later about the beauty school, so I'm glad yeah. you got that. So um, she's the one in Saturday Night Fever that says to Travolta, so are you as good in bed as you are on the dance floor? Um, which is kind of great. Also, and I mean, I know she is on the show as well, but even younger in, like, this time period, she is a fucking smoke show. She is And she still is. She is Yeah, she is absolutely beautiful. Not to say that she's, like, any less hot later on, but No, but also I think that, like, she's the kind of person that she did, she had tasteful work done, so Uh she looks her age, but looks amazing. Sure, yeah, I I would totally go with that. She then did a couple of small movies like American Hot Wax and Summer of Fear, as well as a made-for-TV early John Carpenter film, and then also a rare dramatic role in Ragtime. Did you ever see Ragtime? No, I didn't see Ragtime. Then there's the 80s that she really gets into the mode of being a very strong comedic character actress. She appears in UHF with Weird Al Yankovic, Cadillac Man with Robin Williams, and most famously as the uh, publicist Bobby Fleckman in This Is Spinal Tap. She's great. She's so goddamn funny. So funny. I need to rewatch This Is Spinal Tap, and I wrote this down for later in the episode, but... She, what a cool idea. She makes a cameo as Bobby Fleckman in The Nanny in one of the final episodes. She plays her own character. Did you see that? Do you remember that episode? Yes. Dude. Have you just seen seen all of the episodes multiple times? (laughs) Well, I mean, one of the sad things about it is usually when we do a show like this, at the end, you you, you get to, you normally say, and they're all on Hulu, but Nanny's like weirdly nowhere, right? You can't find it. And it, the only reason why. I have watched it recently is because Henry still is a pop-pop and he gets, he has like regular cable. Right. But you will find at 
almost every hour of the day, you can watch The Nanny still on cable. <laughs> it is somewhere every minute of the day. It's kind of like me with cops. Every time I go yes. to a hotel, I will only watch cops. Yeah, um, so usually I will, like, if I'm at my mom's house, I'll sit and watch. You know, usually we'll alternate between Everybody Loves Raymond and The Nanny. Perfect, yeah, Because absolutely. I am 65 years old. <laughs> so uh, she ends up, this is a, one of the big... Uh, landmarks for her career that goes nowhere at the time but ends up really setting the stage for her getting her own show. She ends up co-starring in 1991 briefly on the soon-to-be-canceled Princesses, yes. a CBS sitcom about three female roommates in NYC. Did you remember this at all? I have I no don't memory know. of this. I'm not familiar with Princesses. I also tried to find it. And are you familiar with Twiggy, the model no. Twiggy? Some women I know are obsessed with Twiggy. I know, was, I know Twiggy, but like I don't know Twiggy enough to speak on Twiggy. Twiggy is like, she was ahead of the, uh, like the face of the whole mod fashion movement. Yeah. Like mod in England, that whole look. Um, I'm not cool enough to like yeah. know that much, to like to know that much about Yeah, she it. was like a super it girl, like yeah. uh, back in the, what, the 60s, I think, mm. right? Or the 70s. And yeah. uh yeah, she's older in princesses, um, for sure. And, like, kind of, I think at that point, out of the, like, fashion model game. But um, her and Fran Drescher end up forming, like, a pretty tight bond. Um, also, she just ends up getting in good with other TV studio people. And I only, I, I really mentioned Twiggy because she weirdly comes majorly into play when it comes to how the nanny began. Man, sometimes just... Fate. You know, I don't know if I always believe in fate, but this, it's, you read stories like this, it's like, sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So, also, we have to mention briefly, uh, we're not going to focus too much on it, but yes, tragically in 1985, uh, she, her home was invaded with Fram her. Fram Drescher's home was invaded. Fram Drescher and her, uh, I don't know if she was uh, married to Jacobson at that time, and a friend. There was it was a god awful affair. There was you know you probably already know about it or go read about it, but there was um, sexual assault involved, robbery, all this stuff. It was incredibly traumatizing for her, um, and she even said about that, um, you know, I never wanted to come off as weak, so I just kind of buried it and got on with life. For the next fifteen years, I focused on working extra hard, making everybody else happy, and being a caregiver. I was busy with the nanny, and I lived in the oxygen thin air of other people saying how hard I worked. And how nice I was. And she was always portrayed. She was like she is a very nice person. That's what everyone says about her. And but I, I I do appreciate the fact that now she's very open about yes her mental illness. She's opening about her, the eating disorders that came after her assault, and, and just like how difficult it is to swallow down a traumatic event. And sometimes it propels you forward. So traumatic that after her show is canceled, she's got some time off. A friend from France invites her to go stay with her, and it took an assload of courage for her to leave her house and get on a plane alone. She was so afraid of strangers at that point. She was so broken by that experience that, it, you know, it, it, was, it was it took an unbelievable amount of courage. And luck has it that she ends up sitting right next to, on this flight, 
the president of CBS at the time, Jeff Sagansky, and this was major for her. She's yeah. just like she said. She said about the event. She said, "I ran into the bathroom to put my makeup on. I'm powdering my face, saying Carpe Diem, Carpe Diem." When I walked out, I started talking to him. He was a captive audience because where was he going to go? <laughs> <laughs> but also, how amazing is that? How amazing is that? That she. I love that. Like she took this huge risk. She was mortified of getting on an airplane, and, like, this is the result. It's so fucking beautiful. She, uh, Sagansky gives her the go-ahead to pitch an idea for a new sitcom. He was actually trying to see if she wanted to star in one that was in development, and she said, no, I want my own show. Like, fucking put her foot down on it, and he gave her the shot. Um, what I love, too, is that in it, too, she didn't have anything to pitch. She knew yeah, that she wanted a meeting. No She's like, I just need the meeting. Get me into a meeting, and I will have something to pitch by the time this meeting happens. So she goes to France. It's kind of a bummer. Her, her, uh, her. Uh, you'll like this, Jackie. Her friend has two screaming toddlers that are just driving her crazy. She ends up leaving early. It's just not a fun time. And she, uh, her friend Twiggy in London offers her to come stay with her. Twiggy is working. So is her husband. Twiggy has a daughter, um, 11 or 12-year-old daughter. Uh, and so Fran ends up taking her out around the town to go shopping and, you know, do the whole clothes thing. Dresher said, Twiggy and her husband were busy working. Here I am in London. It's a big city, very overwhelming for me. I'm trying to push my boundaries, so I start schlepping their little daughter with me. Well, did you see the quote, too, that everything was so English, so proper. I felt like this loud New Yorker, so crude, so blue-collar, so Jewish. (laughs) Which I love that. She said she's an 11 or 12-year-old proper little British schoolgirl taking me around to all the sights of that uh, that I want to see. All of a sudden, she says to me, oh, Fran, my new shoes are hurting me. So I said to her, honey, step on the backs of them. And she says, won't that break them? And I said, break them in. And that is where the nanny was born. <laughs> I love her. I love her. <laughs> break them in. <laughs> She was inspired by the afternoon and her interaction with the daughter and giving her this non-parental advice, she said, that had a, and this is her quote, humorous kind of queen's logic, self-serving advice. It really is. It's just figure it out. She calls her husband in L.A., has this big idea. Because at the time, Peter Mark Jacobson, her husband, is a producer. Yeah, and and uh, and she pitches it to him as a spin on The Sound of Music, except instead of Julie Andrews, I come to the door. Um, Love her. Such a great idea, right? And so the two of them, they pitch their idea to Tim Flack and Joe Voci on CBS's comedy development department. Sagansky, uh, the president we mentioned earlier, he brings in the producer couple team, Robert Sternen and Prudence Frazier. Um, They both worked on Who's the Boss, uh, which Drescher did have a guest role back in the day on like a single episode. So she'd already like met them, worked with them. And the two couples, this this producer couple is so into the idea. They're like, all right, cool. We're on board. We'll help you write this thing. So the two couples write the pilot together and yeah, and and uh, they they pull heavily from Fran Drescher's family. Yeah, because most of the characters are based on either people she knows or people in her family. Totally. And actually, the rare um, the rare times you see Morty, her father, are actually played by her father. Oh wow! Yes, which is great. That's amazing. So Sylvia and Morty, like as we mentioned before, they are they are her parents in the show as well. And you, she has a grandmother, Yetta, and all that. And Yetta is so fucking funny in the show. So funny. Um, 
She's just so ridiculous. There was the one point, point where the mom, Sylvia, I saw this quick scene where she's just like, why didn't anybody eat the fruit? And and because they're in the house or whatever, and Fran's just like, it's plastic or whatever, ma, you know? <laughs> and then the gra- Yetta's on the couch, she's just like, even the grapes! And she's got like a <laughs> mouthful of grapes. grapes. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. There's just so many it good It holds gags. up, man. It really, yeah. really does. Just... The idea of, like, I mean, the fact that it all relied so heavily on, like, running gags and just, but all of the nods to other sitcoms and movies and politics that are going on at the time and just, like, all inside of this world that there's so many nods that now that I'm older and I've seen a bunch of other things, I was just like, man, that's what they were referring to. That's insane. That's great. The writing is so sharp. Totally. Totally. Uh, also, by the way, wrote in that uh, Fran worked for a bridal shop as a tribute to her mother because her mother did that, not her. Um, and uh, while visiting his relatives in Fort Lauderdale over the holidays, Sagansky pops on a few episodes with his relatives, realizes he has a giant hit on his hands, and orders a full 22 episodes for a first season. That gives me chills. I know. And there we have it. Now we're shooting a show. It was shot in front of a live studio audience at first, at least, on stage six at Culver Studios. Have you ever been to Culver Studios? I have, yeah. Or anything? What's it like? It's big. It's a cool... They used to make silent movie classics during Hollywood's golden age. As oh, well that's as cool. They also did Gone with the Wind and TV shows like Lassie and the Andy Griffith Show. So the Culver City classic studio space. You didn't feel any of that history. They didn't like have any of that vibe No, I was on. just in there for auditions. You don't um, go to any of the fun is parts. It fun? I, not, I feel very intimidated by the idea of auditioning at a big movie studio. Lot. It's very scary. And you have to... You walk through as if like... I'm supposed to be here. Everything right. is fine. And, um, but you're just like among people just like shooting all these shows. You're just like, I just have to remember the lines. You just right. got to find the place. Where's the place? And then you have to get there 30 minutes before your audition or else yeah. you're not going to find the place. I, I, exactly right. Because that's my main concern about ever doing that is that like, oh, I have an audition. Where is it? It's on 20th Street and 6th Avenue, 8th floor. Easy peasy, right? Not, a studio no. lot, though. It's like, where the fuck do I even go? Like, it's very scary. It just feels like so easy to get lost. That's why, like, how and to have that kind of like chutzpah that this woman sat next to the president of CBS yeah. and was just like, "Hey, what about me? Yeah, do you like, you know, like essentially, like, why don't we do something? Yeah, incredible. Like, I know we, yeah, I know we talked about we highlighted it, but I just want to put as a person who's pitched to people before, as a person who's been in kind of scenarios like that before, the amount of fucking bravery it took for her to lay it down like that and say I should have my own TV show and like convince him is fucking crazy. And just the ability to close like that, like I can, I have never closed a deal like that. No. I mean. That's, like, insane, No, I'm terrified. I just pretend like I didn't know who he was. So on Mondays, the cast would do a table read. On Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they rehearsed in front of the producers and executives. And on Thursdays and Fridays, they shot the show using a multi-camera setup with an audience. Uh, This was the basic protocol, though I never really knew quite the schedule of one of these um, multi-cam sitcoms. So it's kind of yeah. interesting to, to look at that. Uh, a lot of actors consider the multi-cam sitcom like the dream job because it's just it's a regular gig. 
you can. You and know, it is Monday through Friday. Yeah. Bop, 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 bop. The hours are very normal. They're, you're not like going to be shooting super late necessarily or anything like that. But so this has all started in front of a live studio audience, but that actually changed. And it's because of Fran Drescher and the nanny that changed sitcoms for the future forever, which is really? insane. Yeah. I did not know that. And what yeah. way? So how did that happen? So the Fran Drescher, which apparently I think that if, if you are confident enough and you go in and you say what you want, you'll get what you want, which is an insane... The, to look at a story that this actually works. So she went in and she said, hey... I don't want just random strangers watching the show anymore. Uh, yes. I want the audiences to be pre-screened and I want them to I want them to go be hired through central casting and I don't want just anyone to be able to get on the set because of the assault that she had had previously. Absolutely. So, central casting hired laughers, quote unquote, for the taping, providing the laugh track as well. Uh, afterwards, they would add it in post, and this actually led to the first ever job titled Laugh Wrangler. It, this person with the last name of St. Clair became the, mm -hmm. the first ever Laugh Wrangler, and it was for the nanny, which something I thought was kind of interesting, that she said that that not any laughers would do for a regular television show. She actually preferred people in their 40s and 50s. Huh. She said she doesn't know why. Maybe it takes more life experiences, more joy and sorrow to find things to really laugh genuinely about, which I think is really interesting. I get that. I mean, I also feel like I'm more inclined to something like sitting down and watching The Nanny in my as I get older than I am into like a horror movie. You know what right. I mean? Like a little bit. Uh, and I think that maybe also it's just, it hits that sweet spot. I mean, I used to watch all these shows with my parents when they were in their 40s and 50s, you know? So it took almost 100 crew members to shoot a single episode. And at first it was just the four producers coordinating most of the project. Later, it was split up. Drescher and Sternin. That team would focus on writing story outlines, along with a guy named Tim Timothy Cavanaugh. Timothy Cavanaugh came from Frasier, and he was known for his dry humor, which he would add on, that British wit, all that stuff was was Kavanaugh and then Jacobson Joseph, I'm sure he added a lot too with the fact I love that Mr. Sheffield is a Broadway producer and Andrew Lloyd Webber is his nemesis yes and that the fact that he hates <laughs> that cats got uh that got famous because he's like it's such a dumb musical and the fact that it got such success and he just so hated good. Andrew Lloyd Webber so much I love that I love that it's so funny it's so funny and so and then Jacobson would manage the writing team and Frazier managed the run-throughs, uh, so they had a they had a definite workflow. Later, Frank Lombardi, Karen Lucas, and Diane Wilk came in for the fifth and sixth seasons as executive producers. Um, and uh, let's talk about this dope cast. Charles Shaughnessy played British Broadway producer Matthew Sheffield. He's also known for his role as Shane Donovan in the soap opera Days of Our Lives. Which again, they which I like that they did is they also make references to the star's previous careers cool. often. So they would bring up the fact that like he would look in a mirror and be like, Man, I look like this guy from Days of Our Lives. Like they would actually <laughs> say things like that. They would That's all awesome. do that for the things they did previously. That's funny. You've got Daniel Davis playing Niles the Butler, also known as a great theater actor performing on and off Broadway. Way. I loved that Niles uh, immediately loved Fran because normally you would have the stuffy butler like react poorly, I think, to a character like Fran. And I love that he was just like, hell yeah, breath of fresh air for this shitty, Sounds good like, stuffy to me. household. Yeah, and just really enjoyed her. 
um, at, at, at their characters enjoyed each other. Lauren Lane played Cece Babcock, which is such Cece a funny name for a villain. Um, she is also known for her theater work as well. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of these are like big time theater performers, which I think worked really well for the sitcom style. Also, what I love about Cece and one of the other running gags is that Cece's dog, uh, Chester, hates Cece and loves Fran. Yeah. But they're in real in in real life, the reason how they got that to happen is that Chester, the Pomeranian, was actually Fran Drescher's dog. Oh. So that's how they got the dog to keep coming right to oh, her every time they so were on set. Funny. That's amazing. Um <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Nicole Tom played Margaret Sheffield. She was also known in her early years as the girl in all the Beethoven movies. Remember the Beethoven movies? Oh, I remember the, the Beethoven Beethoven! <laughs> she's actually still getting very steady work today, which I was happy to see. Go she's, uh, she's also the voice of Supergirl in the DC Animated Universe. Now, I actually have a memory. I didn't track this interview down. I should have. I'm pretty sure it's Nicole Tom who was doing this uh, late night talk show interview, and she talked about how when she went in to read for her part, Fran Drescher was there reading as the nanny. Yeah. And she thought that she was just some batshit crazy casting reader lady. Like she didn't realize. And she was just like, who the, why the fuck did they get this woman to like read the, you know what I mean? Just because like she had the voice, she was doing the voice and everything. She was doing the whole thing. Oh my God. But that's amazing. That's amazing (laughs) that that's also how much control she had over Mm -hmm. casting. The fact that she was Mm -hmm. in the room reading with people. In the room as the nanny. As the nanny, reading, doing the full voice. I love her. Um, you also have Benjamin Salisbury played Brighton Sheffield. Uh, he was uh, Martin Short's son in the movie Captain Ron. Oh, I remember it. And he is currently the director of operations at Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, oh, yeah. He was uh, also, and then there's Madeline Zima, who played Grace Sheffield and is now all grown up. She's done a ton of work, such as the steamy Mia Lewis in Showtime's Californication. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't realize it was her. That's the little Grace girl she's in so the nanny. She's so young. No. Yeah, and now she's all like actress lady. I mean, good for her. I'm glad that she can explore <laughs> sexuality. I should have looked up the shit on Yetta and the and the parent. I didn't look I up love their Yetta acting so stuff. Much. She's just so good. She's amazing. Holy guest stars. Holy fucking guest stars on the show. I'm going to name a list and this is just a small few of the people that appeared as a guest star on The Nanny. You've got Ray Charles, Roseanne, Bob Barker, Chevy Chase, Billy Ray Cyrus, Eric Estrada, Dan Aykroyd, Bette Midler, Cloris Leachman, Elizabeth Taylor. Are you getting like major flashbacks right now? Is I, I mean, I just it's a, it's the best show. Elton John, Jason Alexander, Lamb Chop, and Sherry Lewis. I love the Lamb Chop episode <laughs> because Fran loves Lamb Chop. By the way, <laughs> also sidebar: Yetta was in the Dick Van Dyke show cool. for years and years. Very, that makes so much sense. Yes, that's she's the a kind great sketch of, actress. Yeah, she does that kind of old school comedy style performance. She's, I think, that, like, she might be my very close second favorite outside of Fran. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, Hugh Grant, Margaret Cho, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Sally Jesse Raphael, Donald Trump, Patti LaBelle, Lisa Loeb, Eartha Kitt, Michael Bolton, Celine Dion, Coolio. Whoopi Goldberg, John Stewart, and Rosie O'Donnell, just to name a few. I remember the John Stewart episode I loved because, you know, one of the gags that, like, she's single forever, <laughs> and Jewish women love doctors, and John Stewart was a doctor, and he was so sexy 
when I mean I still think he's very sexy he's definitely a daddy but he was real sexy as a young single doctor that she dated I think for a couple of episodes he also said he, he only did it because Fran Drescher herself called him on the phone to ask him <gasps> to guest star that makes me TV love show. it even more <laughs> So let's talk about the song The Nanny Named Fran. It was written by Anne Hampton Calloway. Oh, oh, uh, b- before I move on, gloss over, because you know better than me, were there any of these guest appearances that really stood out for you? Were there any, any of these, like, cameos or anything that you I remember? I mean, they're all amazing. I yeah. loved Elton John's, and the John Stewart one always, like, What was he? Me. Did any of them, were they all just themselves, or did any of them do, like, yeah. they, they did yeah, I, I, Most of them, the, the, as far as I can remember, most of them were themselves. Elton cool. John was great. Yeah, he was awesome. Yes. Um, so the song The Nanny Named Fran was written by Anne Hampton Calloway, performed by herself and her sister. Calloway also composed a song for Barbara Streisand called At the Same Time, as well as the lyrics to a Rolf Loveland melody that Calloway titled I've Dreamed of You that Streisand sang to James Brolin at their wedding. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> She's also written lyrics performed by Patti Lapone, Liza Minnelli, and Carol King, just to name a few. She wrote a lot of lyrics for many different um, big singers. And the opening sequence stayed the same for the entire run of the show. Except for the except for the pilot. Yeah, the pilot, the pilot is pilot different was the the theme songs actually if my friends could see me now from the musical sweet charity uh-huh and they changed it because i'm sorry uh, as someone that has been a part of the cast of sweet charity little lame <laughs> little lame for oh it. the nanny named fran is i mean that is on definitely a top 10 list of like best intro songs to a TV show. Also, speaking of top 10, isn't it ridiculous that the nanny never broke the top 10 in TV ratings? Really? Well, I mean, and it, it almost uh, didn't make it past the first season. Yeah. It was actually that the president, um, what's his name? Sagaway or whatever? Saganski. Saganski. Nanenki. Uh, yeah, it did poorly its first year. Sagansky saved it from cancellation. Jacobson, uh, Fran's husband, now ex-husband, said, at all those affiliate meetings, he used to say, stick by the nanny. He knew it was something special. Which, also speaking of Peter Mark Jacobson, which we haven't touched upon, so they made the nanny together. She and her yeah. husband at the time, her high school sweetheart, Peter Mark Jacobson, they had gotten married in 1978 when they were both 21 years old. So they split up in 1996, and they got divorced in 1999. And the reason why they split up is that Fran Drescher always knew that her, not always, but her husband had came out as bisexual when they were married. And according to Jacobson, he's like, I grew up in Flushing, Queens. You married at 21, had a big wedding in Great Neck, and lived happily ever after. When he felt an attraction to men, he just said he buried his feelings. But denying his sexuality came at a cost. It's a, he said it made him angry and controlling. Of course. And those are the issues that, <laughs> of course, that broke up their marriage. And Fran Drescher was completely accepting of him being bisexual in the marriage. They didn't get any further than that, but was very accepting of it, which I would assume means, you know, you do what you got to do in a marriage to keep both partners happy. But eventually, he, he left her. And what Fran Drescher says about it, she says, I needed to be my own woman. And that she had never been in touch with her feelings. And then she didn't talk to him for a year and a half. 
And then in the year 2000, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer. Yes, she uh, ended up beating it by having immediate radical, uh, an immediate radical hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year later, she writes a book about it called Cancer Schmancer. Cancer Schmancer is a beautiful book, and yeah? I wept through it. Yeah, you read it? Oh my yeah. god, I'm afraid. I, I don't know if I can handle it, she is. Uh, she's so inspirational, man. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. She started the Cancer Schmancer movement in 2007, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to diagnosing all women's cancers while in stage one when it's the most beatable, which I think is fucking amazing. But that's how she turned away. Like that's how they turned around their relationship. And after after that, she realized. Life is precious, and she didn't want a moment wasted, and this was one of her best friends. And now, you see on both of their social medias, they hang out all the time. Love each other, and e- yeah. One she calls I it my love- gay ex-husband, which I think is great. <laughs> my, I love that she's so heavily involved in LGBT rights issues. Yep. And she uh, became an ordained minister with the Universal Life Church Monastery so she could legally officiate LGBT wedding ceremonies. She's just, I love that she backs him up, man. She does it for free. Have you heard that? Oh, really? She, oh uh, if you get in contact with her and she has time available, this is like, I don't know if this is like an internet rumor, but uh, she will do it for free if she can get there. That is Amazing. Of course, that made a lot more like that was a lot more groundbreaking before it became legal, right? You know, and things like that. But, but still, it was... like to have your husband be gay, come out, you guys break up, and then to and then to be this like major advocate and not be go the other way. You know what I mean? Inspiration. It's like have incredible. some. Like, let's keep the positivity alive, and she yeah. is such a positive human being for everything that she worked for and everything that she went through and now so of course there's all these talks about reboots is there gonna be a nanny reboot is there gonna be a nanny reboot and i think that fran hit it on the head and this was in an interview back i think in 2014 that she even though there's always these talks and she would like to work on something but she doesn't think that there ever can because she thinks that the show was dead the second that the dynamic changed between Mr. Sheffield and Fran Fine. They didn't want them to ever get together. Yeah, yeah. But the network forced them to get together because that's what they thought that the audience wanted. They should you know what they should do? You know what they should reboot? They're divorced and they mirror the Jacobson Fran relationship. Right? Or do something of I, I I would love that. They become like loving exes. And, and very involved in each other's lives still and everything. I think that would be a cool way to do it. Also, Drescher said she would have maybe gotten involved in more things that Fran Drescher is, invo- is involved with. All kinds of things from environmental issues to health to civil liberties. That's what I think Fran Fine would be doing now. Opening her big queen's mouth for the greater good. Yeah! Oh my god, I would <laughs> love to see the reboot. Oh yeah. And uh, before we close everything out, we gotta spend some time on this fashion shit, dude. Oh, my Um, God. So insane. So as I mentioned, there was an article in The New Yorker called The Fashion Comeback of Fran Drescher in the Nanny with help from Cardi B. There were people online who kept comparing the two style, and Cardi loved that, leaned into it, even captioning an Instagram post from a Milan Fashion Week last year as Fran Drescher and Dolce Gabbana based on what she was wearing. Uh, Cardi B was wearing so Drescher has said in an interview that she and Cardi's people have been in talks of a reboot um, that she would love to like see Cardi play her daughter which would be fucking amazing um there's also are you do you follow this Instagram account what, what? Fran War? Yeah. oh you betcha <laughs> it is run by Shanae Brown out of Atlanta 
Um, and we have to give a massive highlight to, I know we mentioned her name before, but Brenda Cooper was the costume designer of the show and remains good friends with Fran Drescher to this day. They go on walks with each other almost every single day, which is fucking amazing. And she was also the designer on Princesses with yes. Twiggy and Julie Haggerty. Mm-hmm. And uh, she even said on Princesses, she said to Brenda Cooper, if I ever get my own show, I want you as the designer. And she backed that up. I love this story it gives me chills i know i uh, this whole this whole episode just made me like so like i don't know what Insp- right i don't i don't i hate keep saying the word inspired. Inspi- inspired but i'm inspired very inspired like way more than i thought it would be uh so fran Drescher gave uh brenda cooper total creative freedom uh cooper said it wasn't created to be trendy it is as wearable today as it is then. It's bold. It's bright. It makes a statement. It's sexy. I think the millennials just love it. They lo- just love the look and that you could wear it today. Well, it also goes hand in hand with the the idea that fashion now is way more about being covered up. And especially as someone that went from Mesh 2018 to Franissance 2019, and I'm used to not, to like showing off my girls a bit. And Fran finds she always showed off her legs because her legs are just, oh my Christ, insane. Which is what I usually cover up because I don't like my legs. But she was mostly covered to the neck. Yeah, yeah. It was sexy, but it wasn't like, but not Here's showing my tits. anything. Which is yeah, that's, totally that that idea that like I feel like in the two thousands and the way that we were raised, like with you know low riding pants and and tiny teeny shirts. That's not what I thought was sexy. Yeah, festival fashion. This fucking last time I was there, I was like, can you people wear less? Like, gee, I know it's hot out, but lordy, Lou. Right now, I'm looking at this picture of Fran Fine is in this big wide brimmed black hat. She has red gloves on and red purse and then she has a uh like up to the shoulders tight plaid dress on that completely covers it it's strapless and it's plaid but shows absolutely nothing except for the outline of how banging her body is yeah and it's so sexy you can be sexy and be covered up and in weird prints uh, here's, uh, here's like, uh, the final, I believe it's the final paragraph of that awesome, um, New Yorker article. I just want to read it out loud because I loved it so much. Uh, fashion can be a one woman private joke that labels like tacky and classy and appropriate can be played with and subverted at will. Cooper told me that she cemented the character's look during the shooting of the sitcom's pilot episode when she put Drescher in a snug, multicolored, machino, cheap, and chic vest, an item that Cooper keeps in her closet to this day. That's Cooper, awesome. Right? After that, she and an army of assistants would scour Beverly Hills each week and buy the latest fashions off the rack. Fran's shopping addiction had to be believable. Cooper would then alter the clothing to make it more nanny, quote-unquote, cropping the blouses, shortening the skirts, embellishing with fur, trim, or glitter. She said, we would elevate the jokes with the wardrobe. She told me Fran would walk into a scene and it would be like, oh shit, she matches the floor. (laughs) Now, here's something that might excite you a little bit that's also kind of tragic, but Jackie, you could take advantage of it. The wardrobe, before Cooper could get back to it, the wardrobe was like, you know, they usually keep those wardrobes in the studio lot. Yeah. Well, the studio at one point, Sony sold the wardrobe to a thrift store in the Valley. (gasps) And she said, I went to track down the wardrobe, which was at Sony, and it had just been sold to a thrift store in the Valley, like I just said. I called the thrift store and I begged them. I told them I was the designer of the nanny and they wouldn't help me. 
People today have pieces of clothing in their wardrobe that are the original nanny wardrobe and probably don't know that. And See, PS, this is the problem, though, is that there's no way in fuck that would ever fit me. P.S., though, P.S., um, uh, this was an interview in, like, 2018. So, like, there are... The, whatever, I'm on the hunt is what you're yeah, saying. Find, Sorry, guys. I'm not working for the next two weeks. <laughs> find that thrift store. It's in the valley. That's all I know, but I'm sure you the can figure it out. The so big. I know, but, in. like, you could... I don't know. Maybe you could just email Brenda Cooper and be like, what was that store? Yeah. Got I'll fight to for go. her. Even just to get... I'll find it. I'll go buy all of it. Yeah. And just give it back to her. Yeah, I know. But, like... Even just to have one classic piece, because you'd probably know better than anyone else if you walked in, what was a nanny? A thousand, per- I mean, there's so many amazing pieces, but like, if, if it was like a quintessential one, I would definitely know. All right, I think that's it for me. Do you have anything else you wanted to say? Maybe a little uh, a little wor- summary of uh, the nanny and Fran Drescher and how you, how you feel. I love her. <laughs> I think I just love her. You know what? It's something that I taught was that that I learned from Fran Drescher is that if you are a busty woman, you can still pull off a tiny vest. (laughs) And I still have been yet to find said tiny vest that will make me look as good as she looks in tiny vests. But she gives me hope. (laughs) I want a tiny vest. And I hope she gives everyone else who listened to this episode hope. She definitely gave me hope, inspired me greatly to keep at it, to stand up and for myself. And also to, like, stick up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. To really, you know what, to walk into a room and, and, and even if you don't feel that way, pretend that I fucking deserve my own show and, I, you know, and you're going to This is me, me bitch. And also, you know what yeah. she also pulls off? Berets. And I'm trying <laughs> to do berets all day. I want to <laughs> get into beret all day, but it's scary. And Fran Vine... That bitch can pull off a beret. If there's one mm-hmm. thing I do have that is Fran Vines, we have very similar hair. So I think I can pull it off. Hey, here's a final example of, of Drescher's power and strength. The sponsors in the very beginning, they were pushing back a bunch on her saying that she was playing the character, quote, too Jewish and wanted her to play more of an Italian-American. But Drescher refused. She said, on TV, you have to work fast and uh, the most real, the most rooted in reality to me is Jewish. I wanted to do it closest to what I knew. And that's why that show was successful, because she stood up for herself. So anyways. And also, uh, what an amazing example of a woman. I know that she always wanted to be with a like a single Jewish doctor, and that was made very clear. But, but she gave, I think this was also a great example of a single woman that went on a lot of dates and did whatever she wanted to do, but also was not labeled a slut. And yeah. I really fucking appreciate that. Yeah, very cool, Because man. she lived her own life and was her own woman, and there was no part of that show that ever slut-shamed her. Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. All right, well, uh, that's it, uh, I think, for I me. I love it. I love Again, the Also, nanny. the wasabi scene. Everybody look up the wasabi scene on the nanny, because it's one of the best things ever. I th- or just, all, I mean, to just watch any of it. Well, look, if you have any kind of cable network... Look for the nanny and watch it, and you're good. You're gonna be delighted. You're like, you know what? You're right. It does yeah, hold up. It's incredible. All right, take care, everybody. That's our pop history episode on the nanny. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your patronage. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka golden ticket scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated golden ticket scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine.